Presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine, with your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Debbie. And today I'm speaking with guitarist and vocalist Steve Conti. Steve, apart from being a proficient solo artist, is also the guitarist for Michael Monroe and the New York Dolls. In this episode, we discuss his new album, Bronx Cheer, which was released on Little Steven's label, and we talk about the personnel on the album, including guitarist Chris Spedding and Charlie Drayton on drums. We talk about his childhood and his start on drums and how that helped with his strong sense of rhythm. We discuss how he left the clubs of New Jersey for New York City in order to play original music. And we talk about his gear early on and now. We discuss his first successful band with his brother John on bass, Company of Olds. He then went solo and returned to playing for others, including Billy Squire, Willie DeVille, and the New York Dolls with David Johansson. Then we talk about working with Michael Monroe and having the opportunity to record with Jack Douglas. Again, the first time with the Dolls. Then we discuss working with Peter Wolf from Jay Giles. And then we talk about his singing, being Paul Simon's stand-in for rehearsals. Then we talk about his work in anime, performing in Cowboy Bebop and other anime shows. Then we talk guitar. We talk about his schooling at Rutgers and his love of jazz. And finally, we talk about his family and where to get his new album. You can find out more about Steve at his website, stevecontynyc.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-C-O-N-T-E-N-Y-C.com. He's also prolific on the socials. Please like, comment, and most of all, share this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And please support Vintage Guitar Magazine and all the wonderful things they do for us guitar players because they do so many wonderful things for guitar players. Hey man, how are you? Good. Nice to see you. <laughs> All right, same here. Where you uh, Where you zooming in from? I'm zooming in from San Francisco. Where are you at? I'm in New York City. Oh, New Bronx. York City. Okay, not Finland right now. No, 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 no. I'm home. <laughs> do you Summer's speak? over. Do you speak Finnish? Yo, no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was pretty good know, face just, right just, there. <laughs> just, just the bad words. Mm-hmm. That sounds more Italian. <laughs> yeah, well, it, there's sort of a, a little similar rhythm. To yeah. some of it. Well, that's also because I'm I'm Italian, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> I probably just give everything a little Italian. Uh, <laughs> What's going on, James? Good. I'm doing good. I'm and I'm James I'm, Patrick. Yes, I'm honored to be talking to you. Oh well, <laughs> pleasure's mine. Thank you. No, pleasure's all mine. The I saw you, uh, I saw you probably four or five years ago in San Jose with with Michael Monroe. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the club. Let's see, it was really big and it was going out of business. Exactly, both of those things. It was called the Rock Bar. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Rock Bar. The, the, I was going to say the Rock Palace. Yeah, yeah the Rock Bar. I yeah. remember because Billy Rowe came out to see us. You know, yes, Billy? of course I know Billy. <laughs> Billy, yeah. yeah, yeah. We grew up in the same circles Jet, here, and and the San Jet Francisco, Boy, yeah, San Francisco Bay Area. Yes. <laughs> so when I heard your single, it caught me off guard. Why is that? Off the new album, it, uh-huh. it it wasn't what I was after seeing you with Michael Monroe. It wasn't what I expected. You expected like some like like glam punk, not, not no, not so, but but certainly you know just rock, just straight out rock. And and yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, I love power pop. I love uh, I love blues. I love R and B, soul. Yeah, you know, so it definitely um, shows in the single. Uh, and I don't know which single you're referring to: "Recovery Doll" or "Dog Days of Summer." Dog Days of Summer. Oh, okay, 
So that's more of like my my power pop bag. Yeah, um, it was great. You know, I love I love the replacements. Yeah. I love uh, the raspberries, the Beatles, the monkeys. You know. Yeah. Well, it, uh, all the it was all, a great all song. the melod- all the melodious bands. You know, <laughs> the sweet. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It, I well, I loved it anyway. Is the, the the rest of the album is it is it more like that or is it is it it's it's all over the place. I'd say it's uh it's like it's like rock, power pop rock and soul with New York attitude. Okay, great. So it's got I, it comes out in, as a, it, comes out in yeah, November. Stuff, Sorry, yeah, November fifth it comes out. Okay, yeah, cool. Bronx Bronx Cheer is the name of the album. <laughs> comes out November fifth on Wicked Cool Records. That's Little Steven's label. Uh huh. Um. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's got a couple of uh, really nice uh, soulful ballads on it. You know, I like to think of it as like uh, an album like the Rolling Stones would have made between 1978 and 1981, okay. or 82. Cool. You know, like that. Some girls, emotional rescue, mm-hmm. uh, tattoo you sort of period. You yeah. know, where where it was, they were kind of doing a little bit of punk with their soul and blues and, and rock and roll. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And and Charlie Drayton's playing drums. Charlie Drayton, yes, of the expensive winos. And, exactly. Uh, the vinyls. And exactly. And I, replacements. He played on replacements record, too. Yeah. Um, yep, Charlie's on drums. My brother John Conti's on bass. Uh-huh. He's a killer. Um, who else that you might know? Chris Spedding is on guitar. Oh, wow. On one song. Uh-huh. Um Willie Nile, I don't know if you know Willie. Um, I know of Willie. Great, I don't know him personally. No. Great singer-songwriter from New York City. He's sure. singing background a couple songs with me with another friend of ours, James Maddock. Um, some really soulful girls, too. Uh, Nikki Richards and Sofia Ramos and Luan Cardedent. And my kids. Oh, really? My two sons are uh, have their voices on there, too. So. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Family affair. Yeah. Excellent. Where did you record it? I recorded the album in Brooklyn, a place called Atomic Sound. Uh, we started it in September of 2019, and I uh, finished it up, the recording part, in January or February of 2020, uh-huh. uh, just in time to head over to Finland to play half of a tour with Michael Monroe before COVID kicked in and oh, everything bummer. got yeah. went to hell, you know. So and then I spent the last you know year um, mixing it over the internet because uh-huh. you know we couldn't yeah, exactly. get together. Yeah. My uh, my mixers in California, so uh, we spent um, we spent a few months mixing it over. You know, I was in in the Netherlands actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in the Netherlands and he was in California. We were like nine hours apart or something. Sure, crazy. Yeah, and so uh, we had to, you know. 11 o'clock at night for me was, you know, you know, middle of the afternoon for him. Yeah, so exactly. we'd, we'd find that sweet spot where we could like get an hour before I like passed out. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of challenging. And then I spent the rest of uh, the year making a couple of videos. I got one video that uh, came out for recovery doll already. Uh-huh. Um, that was my first single. Yeah. Um, and, um, Dog Days has a video. It's finished now. It's going to come out probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And then I have a, another song, a video in the can, 
ready to go in October, late October, I think. Early November it'll come out. Did you produce it yourself or did you have help? Yeah, I produced it with my friend Andy Hollander, who's a, a great keyboard player and real musical guy. I used to be in a band called Mr. Henry with him. Okay. And he's produced... Um, He's been working with this band, the Chainsmokers. I don't know if sure. you know them. Of course. <laughs> um, of course. And uh, I don't know them, but uh, Carly Rae Jepsen is another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he works with a lot of contemporary yeah. dudes. Yeah. You know? well, um, not necessarily stuff. like dirty garage rock and roll or anything. <laughs> no, which, no. Uh, no. <laughs> it, which is good because I, I got enough of that going on. That, yes, uh, you do. <laughs> you know, I, I needed like the. Uh, you know, his organizational and musical skills, which mm. he's very good at. You know, he'd, he'd be like the kind of guy where I go, yeah, I was kind of thinking about doing a either a 12-string solo or a wah-wah on this. He'd go, do the wah-wah. <laughs> uh, okay, great. You know, because it's up to me. I'll try everything. You know, I'll, I'll go through every pedal and every amp and every guitar combination. Sure. You grew up in Utica? Uh, no, well... I'm from upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, I lived there till in the, I was born up in, in the Utica area, then moved to Buffalo, uh-huh. where uh, I went to kindergarten through fourth grade, Buffalo in, in the city and then in a suburb outside till I was about nine. Then I moved to New Jersey, about 50 minutes outside of New York City. Okay. And that's pretty much where I had my, my growing up, uh-huh. you know, that's uh, where I, you know, I could jump on a train and head into Manhattan in less than an hour, and I would mm-hmm. see all my favorite bands at Madison Square Garden, Led Zeppelin, The Who, Bob Marley. Wow. You know, Excellent. You know, all kinds of <laughs> the, great stuff during the 70s and, and 80s. Did know. you start on guitar, yeah. or did you start with a different instrument? I was a drummer. Oh, you were really? I was a drummer at first, yeah. Drums, and then uh, I went to, uh, when I was probably, I started drums when I was seven. Uh-huh. And by the time I was 11, my brother had started playing guitar, uh-huh. and I picked up his guitar one day and realized I could write songs. I didn't know what I was doing, but I could write songs without sure. any training. And I was like, hey, this is this is easy. And then, you know, I, I wrote a few more, and I was like, boy, I, I should play guitar and get out from behind the drums. I can't be a lead singer behind the drums, yeah. I thought. You know? <laughs> so uh, I switched from drums to guitar, and then... I became really good on guitar really fast. And so he said, heck with this, I'm switching to bass. Yeah. <laughs> Which was the best thing that could have happened because he's an amazing bass player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's his history. Do you think that drums helped with your, your, you have a really strong sense of rhythm. Do you think the drums helped with that, starting with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I always play with the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love playing with Charlie and, uh, um, yeah. I play with a lot of great drummers, though. Guys here in New York, mm-hmm. Rich Pagano and Phil Stewart, who been, I've been playing with for almost, wow, 15 years now. He was in my band, Steve Conti and the Crazy Truth. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just tons of great drummers. But that's always, you know, I've even done gigs just guitar and drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeroen Polderman is my drummer in Holland. I have a band over there. Okay. Um and uh, we did that the international cover-up uh, album. I don't know if you heard that, my um, covers record. Uh-uh, no. Um, yeah, he plays on that. So and we've done gigs just uh, as a duo. Okay. So, you know, I mean, you can totally rock out 
I don't like playing gigs. I mean, as much as I love to play with my brother. Sure. Something about playing rock and roll with just guitar and electric guitar and electric bass with no drums just is something <laughs> off about that. To me. Yes, this. For I'd sure. rather play a gig. I'd rather play a gig with just a drummer, and at least you have the groove and the feel and the vibe going. Even yeah. if you don't have other notes going underneath you while you're playing solos or whatever, but you know that's more important to me and. Uh, having that groove there yeah you know? were you playing what were you did you play in high school did you play in in like local bands oh, and stuff oh yeah i played uh well i probably my first you know started out kind of like every kid does i guess when they're starting out you need to play talent shows sure. you play like the high school dance and the teen center and uh yep. you know the local swim club and <laughs> birthday parties and whatever <laughs> and then um uh, we, play, we played, I had this one band and we, we just started to, I was probably, I was 16 and the other guys in the band were older than me mm-hmm. and they all had driver's license and they could drink. <laughs> so, you know, we were, uh, they were of drinking age and I was still underage and, uh, we, uh, we just got a manager and we were starting to play with, you know, gigs with contracts and everything. It was like a big deal. It was like, sure. And uh, we did our first gig, and right before we went on stage, our drummer got busted in the parking lot for pot. Oh, no. And the manager dropped us. The, we got thrown off the gig and broke up <laughs> <laughs> the next day. So that was the end of that. But, um, you know, we always got those stories. But, uh, yeah, then, I, you know, probably when I started being uh, pro, you know, after more of, like, the Battle of the Bands kind of things sure. and all that stuff which we did in one, a, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like playing, um, you know, little clubs locally. Um, and I really didn't, I really didn't do like the bar band thing because mm-hmm. where I was growing up in New Jersey, it was like to play in a bar band, you had to play covers. Sure. And I really wasn't interested in being like, that was cool for when I was in high school and the teen center and the battle of the bands and all that stuff. Yeah. But once I uh, graduated high school and I, I was working on my songwriting and, and I didn't want to be playing, you know, there were like these themed bands. It was like, it was a band called Yasgur's Farm. They played all Woodstock music, okay. you know? Yeah. And, there were, and then there was like a band called uh, Taki for some reason. They did all the, the Beatles show. Mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, you know... Uh, these bands, certain bands specialized in, in, it was the Rolling Stones show, you know, sure. the, whatever, the Blushing Brides. Mm-hmm. They weren't from Jersey, but they're one that comes to mind. So I didn't want to do that. Um, so, you know, I came to New York yeah. and, uh, and started playing in, in around the early, mid 80s. I started playing around New York. And, um, yeah, I would just, go to every jam session I could go to to like meet people and and, you know try and get studio work and and eventually I met up with uh, this singer named Keith Brewer who um, was the singer in Company of Wolves which was my first band I got signed with Mercury in 1990 Uh I came out of Mercury Records and um, yeah and then from there just what were you using for gear back then? gear let's see um you know, I went through the whole, I don't want to use a Marshall. Everyone uses a Marshall. Sure. I'm going to be different, mm-hmm. you know. So I went through so many different, like, boutique amps and, like, 
techno crap, mm-hmm. really. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I had like this Galen Kruger thing that was like, oh. stereo. <laughs> it was this little baby thing with two eight-inch speakers that yeah. you hooked up to four by twelve Marshall cabinets to, and it was like, okay, this is great. It's going to be in stereo, and it's going to be a, you know have a chorus because you know nineteen eighty. 384 you needed to have a chorus sure you know, on, yep. your, on your guitar yep. um and uh, that was horrible sounding <laughs> um <laughs> make good bass amps though i think to this yeah. day like solid state ones um what else did i use i had uh well my first my first like playing out amp was an ampeg okay uh it was actually a transistor ampeg it was a g212 okay <laughs> which uh if I remember, it sounded pretty bad. Yeah, it probably um, pretty it was, transi- it was transistor. Uh, it had like this, like carpet on it, this like black, hairy carpet. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I remember it was really honky sounding. And I don't think I even used any pedals. I think I just turned it up. And of course, the transistor amp does not distort. No. You know, so uh, I, I don't know how I, I. I wish there were some recordings of that just so I could hear. <laughs> <laughs> how bad my tone was back when I was in high school. But, um, you know, eventually uh, I also tried a Sundown amp, which was uh, mm. kind of based on the the boogie sort of model. Oh, okay. The one, 112 yep. with a master volume and, you know. Graphic EQ. Uh, tube. Yeah. I don't even remember. How, it probably did have a graphic. But, you know, it was a tube amp. That was pretty good. But uh, eventually I just said, you know what? I got to have a Marshall, and uh, that's when I started Company of Wolves. Uh-huh. And I bought uh, this Mar- this 1967 Marshall Plexi that belonged to Peter Frampton. Oh, wow. That he used on Frampton Comes Alive to run his um, Leslie. Oh, wow. Speaker. So uh, that's I still have that amp. Right on. Um, yeah, I used that on Company of Wolves' album, uh, second album, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, first album I used uh, the Georgia Satellites guys amps. Oh, really? And, and Dan Baird's amps. Yeah, yeah. wow. And we recorded. We used their producer, this guy Jeff Glixman, uh-huh. and uh, we used their studio, the studio they recorded it. Um, uh-huh. You know, keep your hands to yourself sure. in yep. in yep. Austin, yep. Texas. And I used their high watts and their Marshalls mm-hmm. and uh, great tones. Um, but you know now I have I have I still have that Marshall Plexi. I have a, also a '62 uh, Vox AC30. Oh wow! Pre top wow. boost. Congratulations. Pre top, yeah, yeah, yeah pre top boost. So it's uh, you know I gang the channels together and yeah. um, also I have an Ampeg Reverb Rocket which I love. Oh yeah, another. They just blew the speaker out of oh, me. But that has got a great like reverb and tremolo thing. Let me ask you this: So it, where do you take your amps when you uh, blow them up in New York City? Uh, I have a guy called Matt Wells, who's very well-known. He works on Keith Richards stuff. Okay. He works on every, everybody's amps. Uh-huh. He's like the, the guru. Uh-huh. There's a couple of guys. There's a guy, Blackie Pagano, who I've taken my stuff to a few times. Uh-huh. Harry Colby, I used to take to. But uh, these days, I just go right to Matt Wells. Okay. Um, he's the man. <laughs> right on. But, you know, when you live in New York, you tend not to bring your amps out to... Sure clubs sure. because they have house gear and yeah. who wants to you know throw a four by 12 marshall and, and a 100 watt head into a taxi absolutely but, you know, not <laughs> you know. so so you end up using what's there which is usually like you know a fender deville or yes, something that's what i was just know? gonna say and uh 
and you know I have a nice little pedal board, so uh-huh. pretty much I can get a great sound out of almost anything, even a crappy transistor amp. Uh-huh. I have uh, you know stuff in my board that yeah. I have this great pedal called uh, it's called the Plexi Drive actually, uh-huh. made by Womp Wampler. 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 Yep. Yeah, and um, that thing it's got like tons of bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one of those like honky, nosy, yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, a a tube screamer kind sure. of thing. It's um, it's got you know basically gain, master volume and tone, but it's also got like a bass switch on it, and um, that thing sounds amazing. I mean, I could plug into a, a Roland jazz chorus, you know, and, uh-huh. and still make it sound good. <laughs> you know? As long as you turn the chorus off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so so you company of wolves what, what did you do after company of wolves how did that how did that end the company of wolves that's two questions uh we ended up uh we did we did one album from mercury and we actually did two albums from mercury the second one never got released uh-huh. because uh seattle happened oh, okay nirvana happened. Yeah, 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 yeah and you know no record company wanted to know about anything other than Guys with beards and flannels <laughs> from the Pacific Northwest. So New York, rock and roll band, forget it. Um, so we we uh, carried on for a little while, and then we just said, you know what, I really want to do my own band, and the singer wanted to do his own band. Mm-hmm. So me and my brother split off. My brother John was in the company was with us. Uh-huh. And um, we split off and did our own band called Crown Jewels. Okay. And uh, the singer Keith went solo, mm-hmm. and um, I did that for a good. Let's see, that would have been '93 mm-hmm. uh, till about '99. Mm, okay, yeah, six years, and uh, we got close to getting signed a few times, but no cigar. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started um, playing with other people again. I um, just you know because I needed to make a living. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I started playing with Billy Squire. Oh, wow. um, I did. Uh, I, I actually did his record, uh, "Tell the Truth," his last record for Capitol uh-huh. back in uh, nineteen ninety. Yeah, it was about ninety three. Uh-huh. With Mike Mike Chapman producing. Uh-huh. Kevin Shirley engineering. It was a great team, and um, did that, and then I ended up actually doing his "Don't Say No" twentieth anniversary tour in, oh, wow. in two thousand and one. Right on. And then uh, from there, from Billy, I went to Willie DeVille uh-huh. and, um, you know, Mink DeVille fame. Sure, of course. Did his, uh, did a tour with him in Europe in 2003, and then I got the call for the Dolls. And uh-huh. since then, I've been in punk rock world. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> how, how, um, how did you get the call to be in the Dolls? Uh, David Johansson. Um, had been asking around, uh-huh. apparently, in New York, uh, I'm going to put the dolls back together, who should I call? He was asking a bunch of guitar players that he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, well-respected guys. Jimmy Vivino yeah. from uh, the Conan Band sure, sure, was sure. one of the guys he asked. And Larry Saltzman, who played with him in his band, uh, the Harry Smiths, uh-huh. which was like an acoustic blues thing. And he kept getting the same answer from everyone. Call Conti. He's the guy. Oh, wow. He looks right. Uh-huh. He's got the right guitar. He's got the right amp. <laughs> right look. Big nose. Big hair. Italian. So, uh, yeah. So David called me up and he said, uh, 
you know, I'm thinking of putting the dolls back together. You want to meet up and have lunch? We met, we had lunch. And then um, he, at the end of lunch, was like we hung out for an hour, talked. He never even heard me play. Yeah. He pulled out an envelope with a CD and some, you know, sheet music. And he was like, what do you think? You want to do this gig? <laughs> sheet music. I was like, yeah, sure. So we thought it was going to be one show in London at the Royal Festival Hall. And it turned out to be six years and four yeah, albums. Exactly. You know? And what, what was it like working with Jack Douglas? On, on that I love show? working with Jack. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, well, I was going to tell you about my amp setup. Sure. Um, when we did that first uh, Doll Studio record, the Pink album, uh-huh. uh, One Day It Will Please Us, yep. I set up my amps. I set up the Vox AC30 and the uh, Marshall mm-hmm. and the Reverb Rocket. Okay, wow. All three of them with a, a switcher. So I would always use the Marshall, but sometimes it would be the Marshall and with the Vox. The Vox yeah, and, sometimes and sometimes it would be the Marshall and, and the, the Ampeg. Ampeg. Yeah. Or maybe it was the box in the Ampeg. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so I, I sort of learned that trick from Jack and, um, you know, miking all three amps, but sure. turning on whichever two I was using. So I would always be in stereo. Yeah. Um, so, like, I could pan them if it was just a – I mean, I played everything live mm-hmm. on that Dolls record. Um, rhythm and solos live on the on the basic track. Yeah. So there was no overdubbing solos. Wow. I thought that was the way to go because uh, it would it would keep the the spontaneity and oh, the, yeah, raw, the rawness of what was the dolls. You know, you don't want to sit there and labor over a guitar part getting it perfect. You know, when no, you're no, 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 no. when you're uh, the guy after Johnny Thunders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so I went for the you know seat of the pants, um, and you know, luckily the takes that we chose. Yeah, the band sounds great on take two. Okay, well, that's the solo. You know, that's the one that's going to go on the record. Yeah. And then, uh, so I loved working with Jack, and uh, I took his techniques that I learned because I watched everything he was doing, the oh, way yeah. he mic'd. And, uh, the guy's a master. And, yeah, and uh, when I did my record, uh, The Crazy Truth, Steve Conte and The Crazy Truth, uh-huh. I used the exact same setup with the, the Vox, the Marshall, and the, and the uh, Reverb Rocket, and I also played solos live and... and you know, basically, it was just a power trio, and um, so that was a good lesson. And then, like a year later, or uh, not a year later, but um, in 2010, when I started playing with Michael, uh, we were, you know, we just started writing songs, and uh, we were like, okay, let's do a record, and who do we call? <laughs> let's call Jack. Yeah. So we called Jack, and I got to do a second record with Jack, uh-huh. and um, and that was a blast as well. Sure, a yeah, really talented guy, produced some of my favorite records ever. You know, and, and, Aerosmith, yeah, exactly, John Lennon. You know, Cheap Trick, the Dolls. Yeah, first Cheap Trick record is <laughs> tremendous. Oh yeah, know? yeah. Hot Love and and those tunes and yep. So uh, yeah, it was great getting to know and and hang out with Jack and sure. You know, we we. Speak every once in a while. I may be doing something with him soon. Cool. So, Excellent news. Excellent news. And and then, how'd you end up working with Peter Wolf? Uh, that's a funny story. Um, when I was a kid, you know, playing those all the swim club gigs that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, like when I was 12, 13, Jay Giles' band was my favorite band. Okay. I mean, I, I grew up all those songs from Full House Live 
from 73 or whatever that was from and, and uh, bloodshot which came out on red vinyl which was really cool back then 74 uh-huh. this one would give it to me and sure uh house party and all those i played so many of those tunes and um my brother john was playing bass on, on a peter wolf record uh-huh. with um a producer that i had worked with in new york named kenny white okay and uh I was like, oh, man, I can't believe you're working with Wolf. Oh, God, I wish I could, you know, <laughs> wish I could play on it. But, you know, he had some great guitar players already. He had Cornell Dupree. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and as it turned out, uh, he's, my brother said, come by the studio. Just come by and say hi. So, you know, I went by the studio. They were recording at Sear Sound here in Manhattan. Okay. And I stopped by there, and uh, they came out. They were on a break. And they came out of the uh, the studio room, and I was sitting there in the lounge, and Peter looks at me, and he's like, hey, you look like, oh, oh. John, my brother's like, yeah, it's my brother. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, man, oh, yeah, okay. And somebody had an acoustic guitar, and they shoved it in my hand. <laughs> and and I just started playing something, and Peter started singing, and next thing you know, I'm playing these old Giles tunes, and he's, like, singing along. He's like, oh, you know that one? Oh, my God. Oh, we got to get this guy on the record, you know? Yeah. And, the next day, they had me booked to play guitar along with Cornell Dupree. Right on. On uh, this song, uh, Blind, Crippled, and Crazy. Uh-huh. And then I sang some backgrounds on it, too, with uh, Curtis King, who was a great R&B singer from New York. Yeah. It's... So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a blast. And I ended up uh, jamming with Peter a couple times on stage in various situations. And uh, cool. he's just a great guy, man. Uh-huh. That, when did you start singing? Like, like you know, full-on... Uh, um, I mean, I was always I was always the default singer because uh-huh. you know you find tons of guitar players and drummers oh, you know when you're yeah. when you're growing up. Yeah. But you know, no, no one wants to play bass, yeah. and uh, keyboard players are very rare. And you know, there might be a lot of guys who want to be lead singers and rock stars, but you know, they just they can't, can't cut it. it you yeah. know, so um, I just became the singer just out of um, you know no one else wanting to do it. Sure, and. But I think I didn't really um, figure out where I sounded best singing, like my range, sure. until I was pretty much full full grown. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I kind of, when I was 16, I discovered Paul Rogers. Yep. And uh, this band I used to play in, the band that got busted at the, uh, <laughs> at the high school gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I would sing one song with that band, and okay. it was all right, all right now. Oh, all right. And uh, so, like, I had that, you know. But I didn't really, I wasn't really working it. I was like, I want to be a guitar player, and and you know, I wrote songs, but I was always thinking I needed another lead singer. You know, I wasn't sure. thinking of myself as the lead singer. Yeah. And um, finally, when I got to be in my twenties, probably late, mid to late twenties. Uh, I was producing this girl, and I demoed a song for her, and it was in her key, uh-huh. and it was a lot higher than I normally sing. And I realized, wow, when I sing, you know, higher, it's got that rasp, that like Rod Stewart, yeah. um, Rogers, oh, almost uh, maybe Brian Adams a little uh-huh. bit, uh, kind of, you know, vibe. And uh, that's where I realized, hey. <laughs> I sound pretty good, you know. Yeah. So then, uh, it actually turned into like a second career for me because I started 
be getting calls to sing in the studios in New York. I would sing on, you know, soundtracks. Oh, uh, really? Tons of uh, Japanese animation. Wow. Stuff. I don't know if you're going to ask me about that, but I'll, I'll come back, circle back around to it later. Yeah. But yeah, like anime stuff and uh, commercials and other people's records, like the Peter Wolf record. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, that all of a sudden, you know, people started knowing me as, I mean, some people only know me as a singer. They don't know me as a guitar player. That's they funny. don't know me as a, as a writer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sounds weird, you know? It's like, I mean, some people, they specialize in one thing. Yeah. Like, I'm a guitar player, or I'm a singer, yeah. or I'm a songwriter. But me, foolishly, I tried to do all three. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, um, so, great. you know. Keep yourself employed. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do all three pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, maybe, you know, if I had focused on one thing or another, maybe I would have been an Eddie Van Halen or, uh, a, uh, <laughs> yeah, or a Ian Gillen or a <laughs> Paul McCartney. But, you know, I, I didn't. I spread myself thin. <laughs> <laughs> well, your voice is great. Your voice is fabulous. I, I mean, it stuck. That's when I when I heard the single. I was that was the first thing that caught me was oh, what, what a great well, voice. Well, Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> so tell me about the um, the anime stuff, the soundtrack work that you did. Oh, oh yeah. I, let me get to that in a second. Uh, the one other thing I, I forgot to tell you with, with singing, I also, I have a, I can be pretty versatile. I can turn that rasp on and off. Oh, wow. And I was, I was Paul Simon's um, stunt, uh, 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 for lack of a better word, his rehearsal singer or oh, his wow. stunt vocalist. For all his rehearsals for for ten years from two thousand to two thousand and ten. Wow. Whenever there was a Paul Simon uh or a Simon and Garfunkel rehearsal, uh -huh. um, I would be there at the ready, you know, with my uh music stand full of you know, all the music <laughs> the books with Paul Simon lyrics and, yeah. and you know, if Paul didn't feel like singing, he'd go like, uh, all right, I'm going to take a break. Steve, uh, you do Bridge Over Trouble Water. And like, Ooh, okay. You know? And it was amazing, you know, yeah. to sing with you know his amazing band, Steve Gadd on drums. Yeah, exactly. Jim Keltner at one point was on drums. Wow. Pino Palladino on bass. <laughs> you know, the, the African guys uh, that he was playing with from, yeah. since Graceland. You know, just amazing musicians. So, yeah, from... Uh, not considering myself as, as a singer to that, um, that was, that was a, quite a leap. Yeah, you know? that's great. So, uh, the, and the anime stuff. So, you know, again, you know, you, you kind of hang around this crazy town long enough. That's what I always like to say. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff happens. And, you know, people pass your name around. And that was one of those situations where this Japanese woman uh, came over to record... Um, an orchestra or something, and, and she was also looking for a male rock singer. So uh -huh. she called some people, and they said, oh, call Conti. <laughs> I sent the demo tape. They liked it. I came and I sang. It was a song for her solo record. This woman, Yoko Kano, was mm -hmm. the, uh, the composer. And um, I sang for her solo record, and she liked it. And then she said, I'm coming back in a couple of months to do uh soundtrack for this new anime that they're making called Cowboy Bebop, uh -huh. which is this phenomenon for the last 20-something years. It's been like one of the... It's especially known for its soundtrack. Sure. And um, also, they, 
I think it's the only animation at, at that time. Maybe they've done it since with other things, but at that time there was never an animation, a uh, Japanese anime, that was done after the music. So they would create their visuals uh-huh. to our soundtrack. Oh wow! So whoever was like doing the the, I mean they had the story. Yeah. But they didn't have it drawn yet. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. They would listen to my voice, wow. her band, yeah. and get inspired for the, the visuals. And, and that's, to this day, that's uh, the only one I know of that's like that. Yeah. And actually, Netflix has just started doing a, a live-action version of Cowboy Bebop. Oh, wow. So with live-action meaning that with like real actors. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm anxious to see how that turns out. We also did another one, Ghost in the Shell, which there was a live-action a uh, movie with Scarlett Johansson of that. Mm-hmm. I sang out a lot of those soundtracks. Wow. Wolf's Rain is another one. Um, so, you know, the calls just kept coming in. For Every time she came to New York, she would call me for another one. And she yeah. actually flew me to Japan twice wow. to uh, perform on concerts with her there. And, like, the big stadium there <laughs> yeah. in uh, Shibuya in Tokyo. And Have you performed there with Michael? Oh, yeah. I performed in Japan with New York Dolls, with Michael Monroe, with Yoko Kano, and so far, that's it. Are you, I, hope are, go, I hope to go back there as myself someday. <laughs> as you're, are you better known for Cowboy Bebop or with Michael Monroe in Japan? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the two audiences don't really cross-pollinate. Mm-hmm very much um that makes sense i remember uh asking yeah i mean one is like fantasy you know kids fantasies i mean if you know anything about anime and like these comic-con sort of people you know yeah they they get dressed up in costume and go to these conventions and it's like a whole (laughs) it ain't like punk rock no you know what i mean (laughs) definitely not so uh i remember when i when i first uh went to japan with michael's um crew we met up with the record company there and i said you know have you guys heard about you know cowboy bebop and and they were like yeah we don't really take that stuff seriously like, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah they, i got the feeling that they thought it was uh you know nerdy you know uh um anime you know star trek trekkie type people you know sure. who get dressed up in costumes and go but you know something beautiful about that you know I, <laughs> those those kids are really uh they love music. They, you know, they yeah. they live in like kind of an alternate universe. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Whatever you love, whatever turns you on. You know? Yeah, of course. Well, we talked about amps. We should probably talk about guitars. What what were you using yeah. back in the day, and and what are you using now? Well, that thing right over there, which you people at home can't see, I'm pointing to. You see the silver thing on the wall over oh, yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, is that a Gretsch or is that a, a Les Paul? It's a Zemitis. Oh, Zemitis. Oh, yeah. So right that's uh, that's my newest uh, um, member of the family, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, but most of my guitars are of uh, a '60s or even a fifth. Well, I have two '59s. I have uh, tons of Gibsons. Yeah. I'm a technically a Gibson artist um, still, but I'm also a Hagstrom artist. There's a couple of Hagstroms up there, you see. There's yeah. a Hagstrom uh, Swede bass sure. and a 
a jazz a Hagstrom jazz guitar back behind there. Yeah. Um, so Hagstrom has been very cool. They've hooked me up with a couple of really nice instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, Gibson's, uh, I got two Les Pauls. I got a 70 fretless wonder uh-huh. that I put frets in. It's a, sure, like of a course. black beauty basically. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, I use that on tons of records. Uh, and then I have the uh, 2005 white Les Paul Supreme that I've been using with the Dolls and Michael, mm-hmm. which I had to, um, I was required to purchase that from Gibson because they loaned it to me and I broke it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a little uh, overzealous on stage and sort of started throwing it around and you know, headstock snapped. And so I had to buy it. You break it, you bought it. You know, one of those things. Um, So those are my two Les Pauls. I also have an SG Mm -hmm. that they um, gave to me. Yeah. And a Firebird. A non-reverse Firebird. Okay. Very cool. Three P90s. I rarely play that one out because just the case is gigantic. Sure. It's like hard to bring around places. Yeah. Um, I got three Melody Makers. Wow. All 60s, uh, about mid-60s, 65, the, the shape. I don't know the, if there's any other number to them, but it's a melody maker. It's the same shape as the one Joan Jett sure. uses. Yep. But it's, it's the original, which I'm sure hers was too. She painted hers. Yeah. Um, white, and um, mine's the burgundy, original burgundy. Yeah. Um, and then I have a 12-string melody maker. Oh, wow. Electric 12. It's shaped just like an SG, uh-huh. but it's got these weird little uh, single coil pickups and not a toggle switch, but a uh, Flip sort switch. of a little black button. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Left three positions. Like yeah. Click, click, click. Um, and I have a third melody maker, which is pink. It was, uh, I bought it this way. It was refinned. Uh-huh. Someone put um, Seymour Duncan pickups in it it's a pretty cool guitar white perloid pick guard oh, wow. um yeah it's, it's pretty sexy <laughs> and then i got two um les paul juniors a, a 59 all original 59 that i got from chris bedding uh-huh. and uh i got the 60 that i used with dolls and michael it's the i painted it white uh-huh. put a red tortoiseshell guard on it but <laughs> it's basically 60s 1960 neck body and pick up, so uh-huh. that's what counts. Yeah, I got three thirty five. I got uh-huh. uh, it's a 70, 77 three thirty five. Uh, what else? Uh, other Gibsons, a um, couple acoustics, J one sixty E Hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a fifty nine Dan Electro, the Jimmy Page uh, sure. model, yeah. original, not a re- not a remake. Uh-huh. The original fifty nine, two two lipsticks. Right on. Um, I got this Zemitis here. What else? What am I missing? I, I got about 30 guitars, I guess. <laughs> you know, if I didn't live in New York City, I'd probably have a lot more. So it's probably good. <laughs> because, uh, you know, you pay for you pay for storage here. Sure, you know, sure. You live in a small apartment, and then, you know, I have my studio where I store most of my gear, you know, yeah. all my amps. And I, if I had that, I wouldn't have a place to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you went to you went to Rutgers. Do you still do you work on jazz chops still? Uh, just at home, basically. Um, 
yeah, especially during the pandemic, I sort of picked up a little bit, you know, started practicing again because, hey, not much to do. You know? exactly. there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of work. So I was like, all right, I better get something out of this being home for two years. Yeah. You know, so I started, I started working a little bit. Um, you know, not much real uh, call for it, though, because, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a rocker, but uh, I like having the knowledge. Like, if anybody plays a, a jazz chord, I, I know what it is. Yeah. I can tell you what chord it is. I can tell you, I can not just tell you, but I can play what kind of scale and yeah. licks go over that chord. You know what I mean? Yep. Like a lot of rock guys that just play, oh, that's an A chord. So they play the box pentatonic, you know, yeah. right there, and the five note scale, you know, <laughs> the blues box. But, uh, you know, there are different um, uh, scales and. Sure. With, different raised and, and lowered, you know, notes in it that, that go with certain kinds of chords. That, yep. uh, I happen to know those things because I listen to a lot of jazz. When I grew up, my mother's a jazz singer. Okay. And uh, she basically raised me to play in her band. Oh, wow. Uh, right on. So uh, I learned all that stuff early on. My father had a great record collection. He had all Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and Wes Montgomery, mm -hmm. who was like the first jazz guitarist I heard. And, yeah. and when I... When I figured out some West Montgomery tunes by ear, I was like, wow, um, maybe I should go a little further with this. <laughs> yeah. And that's when, uh, that's when I uh, checked out Rutgers and they actually gave me a scholarship to go there. I was like, hey, who am I to say no to free, you yeah. know, free education? So uh, I went and studied with Ted Dunbar, wow. who was a uh, protege of West Montgomery. Yeah. You know, played with his thumb and and the whole bit. You know, all traditional. Yeah. You know, bebop, fifties, forties, fifties, sixties. Nothing past that. You know, there was no. When jazz went to rock, when like Miles went and did Bitches Brew sure. and you know, electric guitar came in, that's where they cut off yeah. their uh, their educational. Uh, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just said yeah. It ends at uh, nineteen sixty nine or sure. whatever. I mean, 59, mm -hmm. you know, with Coltrane and, and all that. So, uh, when you're yeah, it was nice to have, it was nice to have that tunnel vision for, oh, yeah. for those years. Cause I really, you know, even though I'm no West Montgomery, that's for sure. Um, I'm glad I, I got that training oh, and, yeah. and got, got that ear yep. training going on. Very and, important. And, you know, yep. it makes you who you are that when you're not playing guitar, when you're not, uh, when you're not singing or, you know, all that other stuff. What are you doing? Are you are you movie buff? Or are you what, what's going on? Uh, well, I got I got two growing boys, which keeps me pretty busy. Sure. My my sons are twelve and five. Oh wow. So yeah, and my twelve year old is a budding singer songwriter. Oh great. Artist actor, really talented. So I produce him. I write with him. Right on. Record him. Um. My little guy's still figuring it all out. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess lately I've been on like a real sci-fi, like dystopian sci-fi kick. You know? All right. Um, so, yeah, I'm always on, you know, Amazon, Netflix. It's harder to do when I'm at home because uh, the you know, kids. kids get up yeah. at 6 in the morning. You know? <laughs> but on the road, you know, I'm, I'm after the gig, I'm back to the hotel room. Midnight. I'm up till five in the morning watching Netflix, or <laughs> my Amazon right Prime, or whatever. And right uh, 
you know, I've been through all the series, all the, you know, the Narcos and the right you know, Sopranos, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> my favorite show of all time, Breaking Bad. And, yeah. Yep. You know, the, the good series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I should probably let you go, and I really appreciate all your time. And, oh, uh, man. I look forward my to hearing pleasure. the record. I guess I should tell your uh, viewers, your listeners, um, how they can find me. Yeah. So, um, my website is stevecontynyc.com. Okay. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a music page, Steve Con- Facebook slash stevecontynyc. I'm on Instagram. Same thing, or just look me up. You'll find me. Uh-huh. You'll know when it's really me. <laughs> there might be a couple of bootleg me's there, but uh, Twitter, I, I think it's also Steve Conti NYC. Um, it's always got my photo, so you'll know it's me. Um, what else? Bandcamp is where uh, I'm selling uh, pre-orders of uh, of my record. Actually, Wicked Cool Records, the label on Bandcamp, uh, is selling my record oh, with cool. downloads from uh, and pre-orders uh-huh. from their site. But if you go to my Bandcamp site, and look under the merch tab, you can pre-order my album signed. Oh, so cool. I will send out signed copies of the vinyl. I'm going to do a vinyl 12-inch and um, CD as well, um, which you can't get them signed from the label. So, no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where you get that stuff. And uh-huh. uh, that's pretty much it. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, my website. I guess that about covers it. Yep. Just Google me. Yeah, Google. That's <laughs> <laughs> Steve Conti with an E, don't forget. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. All right, James. Pleasure. And, uh, mine. hope, hope to, uh, run into you soon. Yeah. Play hope... San Francisco, man. You, you know. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. See you, Thank man. you. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to How Guitar Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys.